So I trained with a couple of guys who were playing like Era Difficile, A League as it was called then. And they were like top players. They were top four teams. They were starters. They were the captains. And he got about 700 euros a month. And that is not enough to, to, to when, when you're retired to, to get to make a living off. So a lot of them already had another job. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome back to Social Convos. I'm in the Lucky D show, or I don't know what it is today. Sean, look, help me out here. What are we? <laughs> it's a Social Convos about the Lucky D show. No, it's about one of the original, the originator of the Lucky D show. Actually, the person who also made up or suggested the name, and uh, we kind of had to run with it. So, yeah, it's very interesting because uh, we're bringing in actually your other co-host here in for this conversation. And I'm actually not sure what to expect tonight because it, it's, it's a different angle, which I'm not uh, very familiar with. But I'm very interested and looking forward to on how actually the flow of the conversation will flow. And I have some interesting things in mind that uh, I'm ready to throw at the... Uh, Dion. So without further ado, Jean-Luc, ready to introduce our guest for tonight? I'm actually not ready to introduce him just yet. He is popping back in to the back, back of us. But there, there are two stories about how I know our, our guest for today. The first story, which now is kind of controversial because of the introduction, is I once during Sinterklaas, which is a tradition we talked about with Doreen, I once was Black Pete. So it's technically blackface, but part of a tradition. And bear in mind before people are like, what? You were you were blackface once? You were blackface? Keep in mind, this was in the early 90s and I was 10 years old. So that kind of makes me feel really old right now. But it was a center class tradition and I was dressed up as one of the characters, Black Pete, which is a very controversial figure. Now we are more culturally aware. And our guest recognized me completely. Like through the, the paint and everything. Through the paint and everything. I mean, I could have, my, my face could be completely black and everything, but he just recognized me. And him being a young kid, like no older than I think six or seven. And it's a long time ago. He was constantly coming to me, Shaluk, Shaluk, give me more candy, give me more candy, Shaluk, Shaluk, give me more candy, give me more candy. And I was like, seriously? So for everybody who's in this discussion saying like, yeah, and we also wear the paint so that people don't recognize us, give me a break. He recognized me completely. I know, I'm not sure if he even remembers this story, but it was at Ons Eref. It was during a center class celebration. And the second thing I remember from our early youth was... I had a really, really nice football shirt, like a black shirt with a very nice... I actually don't remember the player, so I'm hoping he remember who the player was. And I was kind of at the end of my junior football career, 
And I was like, okay, I want to hand this shirt to the best player on the pitch today. And he was the best player on the pitch that day, and he got the shirt. So those are my early memories. And of course, during this talk, we're going to go into a little bit deeper into the later memories. But our guest for today is a nine-time national champion. He's a Caribbean champion with Suriname. He has represented Suriname for multiple sporting events because he's also the commentator, one of the color commentators for our national team whenever they play. He's, he was the reporter, the official reporter for Nacho when they were in the Gold Cup last month. So without further ado, ado Dion Brunix. What introduction, man. I completely forgot about that on Sarah's story. And I'm happy that you that you mentioned that because exactly when you said, Shelly, Shelly, give me more candy, give me more candy, that's when I could recall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I could remember. When you said on Sarah, I was I was there. So uh, I actually did forget about this the that story, but it is it it's still it's still there. Hi guys, I'm Dion. So quick two things. So going back to Shanduk's story. So what did you exactly or how did you were you able to recognize Shanduk with all the you know the the costume and the paint and everything? How did you know it was him? And how were you able to identify him? It's so so long ago, but you know Shanduk and I we played we played football for yeah, I think two times a week about a year. So it's not really difficult. To, Yeah, beneath all the makeup to see him. And it's true, you know. So when they do Blackie in, in Holland or whatever, what, what, what they do, the paint stays on their face. But when you do it in Suriname and you're active, you're sweating all over the place. So he is by nature not the blackest person on earth. So <laughs> it wears off pretty quickly, and you could see you could see right through it. And if you know the guy, you know exactly who it is. So it wasn't that difficult. Is this a skill you've developed over the years that you're easily to able to recognize people through their mannerisms, to the way they walk? Or just you know the the way they look from the back. Are you able to identify many people in this way, or was it just Shan look? Or was it just Shan look? Um, it could be, could be, could be. I I I could recognize people pretty easily about the way they speak as well, of course, and the way they walk, the way they they move. That 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 is a skill that I wasn't really aware of but now that you said i think I, i can do that because i'm i'm also a trainer of course so i'm a little bit fascinated how people move etc etc and i think it was from a young age that already required those those set of skills uh, but uh, it isn't really difficult to get yeah the, the picture out of a bunch is not uh, not that difficult But 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 how the heck did you? That, why were you black in on Earth to start with? What what what's the? I have I I I have no recollection, but you kind of know how these things go. Some parents talk with other parents and like yeah, and we need helpers for the celebration. And then probably my mom said or I even said like yeah, I'll help out. And they were like yeah, we need a couple of black beats. Here's the costume. Good luck. And I was like, 
okay, sure. And I mean, I have, I have no recollection of 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 how that how that happened. I really, I really don't know. But I'm I'm a little bit worried, Dion. The end. It's somebody is mentioning. It's it's very choppy. The stream is very choppy today. So how is it that during our broadcast, your internet is always top notch, and today the internet is kind of choppy? I, I have no clue, man. I have no clue. Maybe somebody in my house is just doing a video call or something like that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I have no idea why the internet. And I normally don't have uh, Tuesday is my day off from media, so I think that's the reason. Yeah, should, should we take a uh, quick second to check and uh, try to reset? Uh, otherwise, the the experience might be yeah. Uh, yeah while while Dion checks that out, so tell tell us more about. I guess you've kn- known Dion from way back. It, when did the I guess the the, the friendship? Uh, you guys work uh, on projects together. You guys sport. Was it uh, all since a young age? Uh, since you know, you guys started doing the. the the fun stuff as kids and then gradually going to sports or was it the, the sports okay. that really clicked, kicked, kicked it off? Okay. So, so let's clear. I, I'm going to let Dion tell the story of, of us being a team, like being a duo and how we became uh, beach volleyball partners. We were at the time already in the same team. We played both played for Condor and our youth for, for volleyball. So Dion and I know each other through sports also on Seraph and like mutual uh, friends and connections. So we actually started playing together, like really bonding when I think we did for about two years. So we really started bonding when I think I was around 16 and he was around 14. That's when we really became close friends. And that that's true, true volleyball, actually. But we've known each other since like even 10 years before that, actually. But but the real connection was was volleyball. I think Dion is back now, and this looks a lot cleaner. Yeah, yeah I think this is a lot cleaner. I yeah, I think yeah. My, my my sister was doing a video call, so I asked her to do the 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 voice call that works better. And I hope I'm. I hope this enhances the experience. It does. It's a it significant does. improvement. Yeah, I I was just asking uh, Shan Luke about the your your. Mutual history together with uh, taking candy and going into sports. And yeah, you guys played volleyball together. And I was asking him, where did that, you know, that, that true bond of, you know, sporting and that, that click happen between you guys? Was it really true to sports or because from a young age, you guys kind of already knew each other from mutual events and I guess friends. But where, where did that really kick off and that kind of that, that brotherhood kind of uh, manifested? So it it actually really 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 kicked off when we started to play volleyball. We we had a, a pretty good junior team, a pretty good youth team. We were we were successful and we trained a lot. We so it actually started with with volleyball. It really 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 kicked off when we did uh, beach volleyball tournaments. So we were we were junior beach volleyball champion, and you know how that goes. I don't know if you know how that goes, but you, you're, you're playing a tournament. You're playing a tournament um, at Cola Creek or or somewhere somewhere uptown, uh, not uptown, out of town, and then then you sleep together in 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 one room because you need to move early in the morning. So then you bond, you 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 create a bond, and yeah, that that's actually 
how we spend time together, but you bond because you have something in common. And I think we always we had a lot of mutual respect, and that that's that's still the case. So he's one of the people who always listens. He doesn't wait to speak, you know. <laughs> so and I think I'm 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 the same, but. Actually, we, we kicked it off when we when we played beach volleyball. But even before that, even before that, when we played football in in Owasa, we had uh, we had a pretty good yeah pretty good relationship. I I, I think and I, I think it's all started with beach volleyball. But even before that, when he gave me the candy at Ons Erof, I was uh, I was sold, man. Yeah, that's the, that's how easy <laughs> I am. <laughs> so I think I think I think beach volleyball is it's very much. I mean, the first championship that really kicked things off. There is a, a funny downside because Jeff is also mentioning like it's a it's a funny uh, it's a funny story started off the fun stuff. So there's actually a story to our first beach volleyball championship that with our first beach volleyball championship we won like a, a, a coupon, a sports coupon to a sports store where I actually bought a pair of shoes and those shoes was one of the reasons we got eliminated in the playoffs next year because the shoes were like these athletic shoes and they had the soles didn't have any grip. Like at one of the most crucial moments in the playoffs next year, Dion Place passes me a ball and I slip and I am not there to actually hit the ball. And we actually lose that set and we lose the match. So there are a lot of funny snippets and stories. But I think the, the greatest thing about why we bonded quite well with beach volleyball is with with volleyball, you have six teammates. You're you're with the six of you on, in one team. So there are a lot of things that can go wrong why you don't score a point. Whereas beach volleyball, there are two people. And if there's a mistake that's made, it's either me or you. And both of us are like people that are like, okay, this was my mistake. So it was really easy to play together because it was always like one of us admitting like we should have been better at that point. There was never a discussion of you should have done that or you should should have done that. And for people that have never seen Dion play like sports, it's kind of like going all out. It's like Ro Russell Westbrook style. It's always 110%. So for me on a beach volleyball field, I could never say, Dion, you're not going hard enough because it was always going 110%. So that for me as a beach volleyball partner was always kind of a motivation. So if something went wrong, I actually always felt like it was my fault. And if something went wrong, it was always like he was feeling like it was his fault. So that kind of made us such a strong beach volleyball team. Yeah, you you hit the nail on the head there. It is It is you are your partner and you learn a lot with beach volleyball because I don't know if yeah this is, is very sport sport specific but beach volleyball is a, is a certain kind of sport which you can't really let your 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 the team you're playing against take a big lead so you need to be yeah you need to talk with each other without saying words so that is pretty important and and that 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 was 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 the first click that I that I actually had with with Jean Luc. He was the first person I won a championship with, so that I learned a lot of of 
actually my whole career with that first first championship because when you get that first win it sets off a whole lot it 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 does something with you as person as a person so i'm i'm, I'm pretty happy about that 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 experience yeah it kind of sets the tone right and do you feel like looking at sports in general and in this case we were comparing beach volleyball and the regular volleyball with six people in a, in a team and we've had this conversation with sandrina as well a few weeks back and she's also from the women's uh, volleyball champions a few years uh, together with your sister uh, Cheryl. And you've kind of had, you know, first of all, is it is the, the volleyball thing a family thing? Or is it just a coincidence that, you know, brothers are still It's no champions? coincidence. It's right. no coincidence. So so my uncle, he played for, for Condor, the team which I, I started with, which I played with Shaluk. And we always went and, and look at our uncle. I, I was a football player in our in my in my under 13 years. And I made a switch to play volleyball after we finally got an, an invite to play in the juniors team. So my uncle, Patrick Bruning, he played in the in the highest in, in team A of, of Condor. And that's when I think I rolled into it. And the next week my sister came along and I, we, we just instantly fell in love with the thing. So yeah, it, it is a more like a brother-sister and uncle thing more than than yeah. a family thing but yeah I, yeah it is it is okay it's no Got coincidence it. awesome but that, that, that kind of makes sense yeah and you you have each other to practice with and it shows that you guys became champions but coming back to to the the broader question on sports in general and you mentioned that being a two-man team with beach volleyball it requires a different type of trust in each other a kind of different type of communication uh, and counting on each other. And for a bigger team with six people and looking at other types of sports with bigger teams, how do you feel like the the dynamic is between smaller smaller teams, like two people sports versus something like uh, basketball or football with 11 people on, on a field? How does that, that teamwork and communication translate to, I guess, outside the sport? So first of all, it is you have a lot more individual responsibility if the team is smaller. So that is easier. You know, if it you can't hide from the fact that it's your fault or you can't hide from the fact that you made a point. So you have a lot more responsibility and that makes it a lot easy, a lot more easy to get somewhere. But the other thing, and I personally think that that is the reason why we are not as good as we are in team sports, it's a lot more complex in every sense of the word. So it's a lot more complex to get from point A to, to point B. You know, when you need to score a ball, it needs to touch three or four players and they need to be disciplined. They need to be on the right position. They need to give 100% on the exact moment. So it is complex in tactics. More, it's complex for the trainer to the coach, the manager to get this message to everybody. So it's more complex. It's more complex to get a training started because if one player is late and you're you have a two-man team, yeah, then okay, just one player is late. But if you need to count on 20, 23 players to get the training started, 
it's more complex. It's more difficult. If you need to get 23 shoes for 23 players, 23 pair of shoes, it's more complex and it's more difficult. And that organization, we're not there yet. <laughs> we're not there yet. So that 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 is the big difference between in my in my eyes between individual sports sports when you play to a side and when you play 11 against 11 the organization is much 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 more complex and it sets a lot about our our country where we're at if we the the, the manner in which we we the results that we get so I do have to ask this question, then, and we're going to jump straight into sports. We've seen a lot of individual sports success. Like if you look at Anthony Nasty, Leticia Frista, but now more commonly, Jarsinio, Biggie Boy, Jair Chonefa, Miguel Faasa, Renzo. It's like all these individual athletes that either make it to the Olympics, get international medals compared to our sports teams. Whereas for volleyball, we're quite successful with sports and less successful with, for instance, beach volleyball. What's the reason we haven't found a duo yet, like a local Surinamese duo that can compete on an, an international level and even win or get regional medals? What do you think is, is, is and you can also say it from your experience. To be honest, I don't really think there's a bigger difference. Because in volleyball we're top in the Caribbean section, so I think we're with Trinidad we're, we're we're right up there. But for beach volleyball, there are not really Caribbean championships. So the only the only tournaments that we play are the top of the North Seca, and that's like world top. You know, you have Cuba, you have Mexico, you have the United States, and because we are that lowly ranked the first matches which we play we always play against the top ranked teams and that'll be the us and the next match you play you'll play against the loser of another big team so i don't really think we're that far off but the simple reason why we're yeah why we're better in indoor volleyball than beach volleyball is training you know when we we got the caribbean championship we trained seven times a week when we do beach volleyball we only do beach volleyball when we have international tournaments to play so at the end of the day doesn't matter if it's 11 against 11 football it doesn't matter if it's miguel van Asse who does the triple jump the training makes the difference you know if Asse trains three times a week if our national football team would trade Three uh, sorry, three times a day. If our national football team would train three times a day, that would also be world class. But we just can't organize that, and that's 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 the problem. But to be specific about your question, we don't play enough beach volleyball to be considered top of the region, and there aren't Caribbean championships to compete against our our level so that's why the bus is less on on the caribbean on the beach volleyball side of things that, okay. that kind of makes sense you, you got to put in the hours basically to match and you need that uh, local regional competitiveness to challenge you to rival you exactly and gonna yeah. jump into the the questions yeah i'm, I'm going through the comments uh, you're getting a compliment for Fuleka. she likes your playing <laughs> green background so it works <laughs> thanks thanks 
And a uh, question here from Gregory. Is it correct that we're Caribbean volleyball champions? No, no, no. That's just definitely true. The the last tournament that was played was it's a time ago. I I'm a little bit sport blank because of COVID. So I think the, the, the year was 2018. Uh, which we played the, Nine, wasn't 2019? Yeah. I'm a little bit blank, but I think it's 2019. The Caribbean World Championships were held in Suriname, and we we won that tournament. So we're the best at the Caribbean at this point in time. After that, we played some intercontinental tournaments. Right now, a national team is going to the Dominican Republic to play a regional championship. So in the Caribbean, we are we are the best in the in the men's section, yes. Can you can you tell us like the road to the Caribbean Championship? And you've participated in a couple of Caribbean Championships. You had to sacrifice something as well this time around. How how was this experience different from the previous experiences? First of all, I actually want to bring this back to our national football team. I don't know if 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 you guys uh, have any problems with that because. I spoke to a former teammate about about this and he said he was pretty discouraged that I told him that we lost to Costa Rica because of the fact that Costa Rica played more matches with each other and our national team just played about four or five matches internationally in this setting. You can't cheat progress. So the the win that we got for the national fight by the of the Caribbean Cup did not come by by accident. We played a lot of tournaments. The tournament started way back in 2012 when we had the World Cup qualifiers. We won Barbados. After that, we played Caribbean Cups. We lost dramatically. After that, we played another bunch of World Cup qualifiers, which we won. After that, we played Caribbean Cup with, I presume, almost the same team which we lost very, very, very badly. And that loss really, really hurt. Because volleyball is a lot different than the other sports, the other team sports. For example, on national football team, they get, for every training, they get, they get something. They get, I, I, I don't want to say the, the amount of money that they get, but they get something for every training. Or when they're at the tournament, they get about between $50 and $100 a day. We, yeah, we actually don't get anything. It's almost slave labor that we're doing. So we're trading seven days a week. We're, we're investing a lot and, and, it, and it goes pretty deep. So you need, to, you need to cover your food. You need to cover... You have a lot of costs even washing your clothes. So when you do that seven times a week for a couple of months, I, I think four, four, four months, seven times a week is pretty heavy. When you lose, it hits hard. It hits very, very, very hard. And then you're, you're going to get to know yourself. What do you do after that? Do you continue with the same enthusiasm? Or do you back down? And I think the loss that we had in, I think it's 2015, 16, I think it's 16 in Trinidad. That set the stage for us to, to finish the job in the next Caribbean Cup. So we picked things up and we trained seven times a week again. 
which was pretty difficult. And our win in, in Suriname was, was a very, very, very strange feeling. I think the only reason why we won was because we just trained not harder, not maybe not even better. We just trained more than our our our, our compared or the teams we played against. So I wasn't even happy. I wasn't even I didn't even know what was happening, but everything went so smooth, everything went so easy. And after the last ball, you're like, oh yeah, we won. God damn it, this is done. This is finished. I can have some vacation or sorts. So yeah, it was it was difficult, but to answer your question, it didn't come by. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't it an wasn't, accident or a just it a wasn't lucky. an accident, man. It was a lot of tournaments that we played, a lot of less help as we put it in 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 Dutch. A lot of yeah, it was it was a lot of yeah, a lot of sacrifice and the and self investment uh, in, in that sense. And I, I guess uh, I'm gonna tie my question in with uh, Jeff's comment slash question. So uh, I'm going through Jeff's comment first. He says internally we need to structure things concerning beach volleyball. And I mean, we don't lack talent, but we need to find them. So talking about scouting, organization talent, scouting tournaments, schools, etc., and then build on the, from that point. Actually, this is a common national sport problem. So basically all types of sports uh, on a national scale. Uh, and we need structure, we need planning, and we need execution. And his question is, can you make enough money from playing volleyball in Suriname to have an in average income? If not, what would be an option? And I think you already mentioned as a volleyball players compared to the football teams, you guys didn't get, I guess, a compensation or, you know, get an income from any types of source. There's no money in volleyball. Like football, it's like a very commercial sport, like also yeah. on, a, on a higher level. My, my question then comes, I'm glad you mentioned, I couldn't come up with the word commercial, uh, Jean-Luc uh, mentioned. So you guys don't uh, make money from volleyball at this point. Football is a more commercialized sport, as Jean-Luc said. At what point, I'm going to stay to vol volleyball because that's uh, your domain. Would you consider it worthwhile or should people invest in a commercialized football so that the players that play on a national level get can get paid? When is something worthwhile to invest? When there are enough fans. That's plain and simple. That's the reason why football is much more commercial. That's the reason why the sports in the United States is much more commercial. There are a lot more people who are involved. If there are a lot more people, there are a lot more, basically, people to get money from. So when we can get, when we have a formula that we produce to get people in the stadiums, to get people to watch us in on TV, then it's worthwhile to invest so that the people who are putting their money in the sport can get their money back. That that's that's in on a commercial sense of it. That's the only reason to make it to make it healthy. You know, there, there that that's one of the manners how you could do it. The other manner is, of course. If there are a lot of people with a lot of money who just want to do that as a hobby. But that's not, in my opinion, that's not feasible. That's not 
commercially yeah, sustainable for the average person. Yeah, it's not sustainable. So, so that's yeah, that's in my eyes. There needs to be a lot more done on getting more fans involved, getting more average people involved. Yeah, that that that's that's the trick. If you can get from all the fans, if you can get one hundred dollars, but one hundred SRD per two weeks. That needs to pay for everything, and that's that's the way to go. But that is pretty difficult. But that's the only way, in my opinion. In, in that setting, I, I'd consider like a, a a match, kind of like a show, as as you would go to a theater show. You, you pay the the performance. You go to watch the sport to for for the excitement. So I, I've kind of quickly draw that parallel to seeing this as a kind of it's uh, sporting. Could be a show business too if you if you commercialize it like that, and I I I can't see where you're coming from, and especially with the scale we have here, getting to that stage and getting that investment to, you know, get all of that practice if you're not committed enough to go through all that yourself and a self investment like you guys did for the Caribbean Cup competition, it's gonna be really hard to compete uh, on on an international level, especially if you have bigger teams. For individual sports, it's 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 more accessible because it's one person. It's it's it it still requires a lot of investment and effort uh, from that individual, but there, there's less variables in in that case, right? That's just kind of how I see it based on your explanation on that. Yeah, that's true. It's it it's a smaller investment to to get one player to the Olympics than to get. 23 players to the Olympics and to train them to get them ready is, is a whole other it's a whole other separate investment so to getting them there already is pretty difficult and to get them there to perform is difficult and to get them there to get your money back is a whole nother story so it's it's yeah but but that's that's in my eyes is one of the main purposes of sports. You know, it's it's been pretty shitty in Suriname the, the past couple of two, three years. The only light points in our country is sports. The only time that I saw Suriname United was with our national football team. The, the impact that Biggie Boy made on this country worldwide People from Russia are asking me to do interviews right now. It's 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 out of this world. So there is a playing field there for investors to get their money back. But yeah, we need we need to get we need to get a work done and we need to get the know-how in in the correct places. So this is a marketing question. Because I want to quickly jump into Saran's comment: like, how can we attract more fans for volleyball in Suriname? If I remember correctly this the stadium it was ismay i think the finals of the caribbean cup was played in ismay ismay was jam-packed now ismay isn't the biggest sports venue i remember amos when we used to play it was sports packed. but even basketball like why when i was in high school we went to the the playoffs of the basketball the Surinamese basketball association and this was sold out did something happen with sports fandom in Suriname in the last 10 years or is volleyball still on that level 
as I remember it. Yeah, a lot, a lot has happened. You know, it it goes hand in hand with 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 economics. You know, there are much less sports people in the country than ten years ago. So that's 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 one of the difference. There is much less money to invest to get a jam-packed stadium, to get cheerleaders on board, to get a DJ there, to get a breast band there. So there's less money and people are, are yeah, they're they're a little bit more, they're turning a dollar twice before they invest it in in, in their company. Latstan investing it in a, <laughs> in a sporting event. So that does change, that does change things. But you can see that there are still points which you can see that there is a, a market for this. When when our national teams play, it's it's jam packed. When and and almost every sport, you know, when our national basketball team is doing a good job, this this was full. You know, when if if anybody if if there was no COVID and we was playing in Andre Kamprofin Stadium with this national team. We would have a big problem. It would be pack, pack, pack. So there's still a market for it, but of course the level is a little bit lower on the in the national in the national competitions. But there are matches. There are matches. But the of course, to get every local match, a sold out stadium, that is pretty difficult, and that is something we need to look into. But I think there's there's there are still there are still a decent amount of matches which i have seen which i've been to that that were still packed enough for me okay i i'm i do want to get back to that but i want to do a quick jump because before you came back to suriname you studied in, in the netherlands and i want to relate it to sulaiha's comment because sulaiha says make the short shorter i'm gonna <laughs> quickly share that actually when I was playing volleyball in the Netherlands, Suriname is like our our style of playing and the the outfits we wore were even on a on a volleyball court, we wear basketball shorts because a lot of volleyball players were inspired by basketball players, especially guys that jump really high and actually have basketball players as their their idols. And they wear basketball shorts on a volleyball court. And there was actually a girl in Tilburg that complained and everybody knew it was about me saying like, why do men play in long shorts, basketball shorts, instead of the short volleyball shorts? So for me, one of the biggest difference, there are a lot of difference, but one of the biggest difference in, in, in Suriname compared to the Netherlands is not actually the shorts, but is the focus on which the game is played. So in Suriname, sports is a lot about showmanship. If you have showmanship, you're beloved. If you're the best player on the team, you can practically do whatever you want off the court. But depending on where you play, you will still get put up in the starting lineup. Whereas in the Netherlands, even if you're the best player in the team, if you show up late for practice a couple of times, you will get benched. So my biggest question for Dion is, what's for you has been the biggest difference playing volleyball in Suriname? Or playing volleyball abroad, like for instance in the Netherlands. One of the biggest differences is in Holland we trained less. So it was I'm not a super talent. So I need to put in the hours to get a certain level. 
So that was a big difference. In Holland, we trained. I wasn't playing uh, in Malaysia. I was going to play second division. And in the second division, you were also going to train three times a week. That's not enough. It's, that's, it's a glorified hobby if you train three times a week. So that was the first difference. Second difference, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot more about keeping a certain level for a, a long time. Because in Holland, you played the system of actually how the football competitions are played. So you play it a, a year long, and at the end of the year, the team with the most points is the champion. But volleyball is actually an American sport. And the American sports, they always play to a climax. So they have playoffs. And it was a little bit difficult for me to keep that consistent level than playing to a climax. In all competitions that I played in volleyball, it was also always you have a group phase or you have a, a, a regular season. And after the regular season, you have a playoff. So you need to bring a whole different level of competition when you play in the playoffs. You need to bring a whole different level of tactical awareness in the playoffs. And in Holland, only in the A-League, as it was called then, I think it still is, that was the only league which you played playoffs. Of course, you have promotion and you have relegation battles, but that's still not the same. You have only one match and then it's 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 just over with. If you have bad luck, you play a tournament within three th- with three teams. But that, I think, is a big difference between the competition in Holland and the volleyball competitions in, in this part of the world. But to go back to your point regarding it's more of a flair game, I don't want to get all philosophical, but I think it has a lot to do with, of course, this part of the world. But I also almost want to make a case for the fact that, A, inspired by who are you? Are you inspired by United States? Are you inspired by a Brazilian? And I even want to make a case about the temperature. I feel that the temperature, the, the, the countries with a warmer climate, they have a lot warmer game. I don't know if you if you could put it like that, in which the, the countries in the Russia, the countries, the energy, energy is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they, they sustain the level a lot longer in, in those parts of the world. So... Poland play a lot different ball game. Holland plays a lot different. Germany plays a lot different. Russia plays a lot different. And not even only in the in in, in volleyball. It's 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 a different kind of kind of mentality and it's a different type of training. Yeah, let's leave it at that for at this point. <laughs> that, that's some very good observations. That's kind of out of the technicalities of the sport himself kind of ex- exterior influences that influence the the way it's perceived but uh, coming quickly back to the comparison on a professional level based on experience here in Suriname and in in the Netherlands do do professional players there as you said are there enough fans to invest in professional players there to tell you the truth not really Okay, so, so it's in not Holland, just a, a local problem here. It's no, more like no, a sport. No. 
So I, I trained with a couple of the the Eredivisie players on on the on the beach because beach I played a little a little bit on a higher level. So I trained with a couple of guys who were playing like Eredivisie A League as it was called then, and they were like top players. They were top four teams. They were starters. They were the captains, and he got about seven hundred euros a month. And that is not enough to, to, to when when you're retired to to get to make a living off. So a lot of them already had another job to attend, a part-time job. So even in Holland, it wasn't that sustainable. Even in Holland, if you're really, really, really good, you go to Italy or you go to uh, Poland, you go to Russia if you're if you're that good. But yeah, even in Holland, and even in Holland. Holland won the Olympics. You don't really get back, back, back stadiums for regular season games. So, yeah, <laughs> difficult yeah. sport. I hope I can still inspire the people there who want to stay and play volleyball. Though it's an amazing sport, guys. Yeah, you, you don't do it for the money if you love the sport, uh, basically. <laughs> But. Yeah, those are some things to to definitely take into consideration. Especially, it it very depends on where you are and where where you're going pro based on this. But before we we flip to to the section where we, we you, you mentioned, you know, these these athletes have another job. They have something after their career or during their career. We want to dive into that for a bit. But I think this is an opportune time to bring in the underrated, overrated while we transition to that section. So Dion, we're gonna name a few topics. I'll come up with two. Sean Luke will bring up two. And you just tell us if you think it's overrated or underrated and maybe give a short explanation why if it's required. So to kick it off, I'll start with, I guess, a controversial one. And then we'll go with an easy one. The Olympics, do you think it's overrated or underrated? Oh, God. I think it's about right. I think about it's right? about right. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do I sit on the fence if I if I make that assessment? Do I really need to choose a side? No, it, that's a fair assessment. You can assessment. say properly yeah. rated, yeah. But you yeah, should elaborate I think it's about why. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely not underrated because... It, Sports which are normally not well watched, as gymnastics, as yeah, synchronized swimming, etc., etc., they get their platform to to show to show off. Um, so it's it's definitely not underrated. If you get a gold medal, your country is put on the mat immediately. So it's definitely not underrated. Is it overrated? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not overrated, man. It's actually my explanation being overrated implies for 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 that. But it's it, no. I think it's I think it's about right. I think we're at a turning point at this after this Olympics because it was it was getting a little bit. Bleh, in my opinion, I already spoke on this topic at, at, in our show, the Lucky D show, that it was getting all. So how should I put it? I don't even have the word for it. It was getting all, yeah, gay rights matter, black lives matter, mental health matter, everything matters except sporting. So that that it, it, it is at a crucial point to being a little bit overrated. So I have, I have to lean. I'm 
with one feet on the overrated side. Okay, that's fair enough. And the second one in the context of, you know, sporting, staying in shape, basic exercise, push-ups, overrated or underrated? Underrated. I love push-ups, man. I do push-ups every day. Push-ups are amazing. Push-up gets you, get your, yeah, push-ups. Yeah, underrated. Yeah, underrated. I, I, I really do like push-ups. I do a day. I do 40 push-ups because it helps me with when I think I could do some kickboxing again. I do push-ups on my fists. So my wrists are all good. It does something with your core and it gets the blood pumping. So, no, I love push-ups, man. Push-ups are great. Do your push-ups. What's your advice to people who want to get started but are afraid to start doing push-ups daily? Do the push-ups and do not set a certain... No, l- l- let me put it like this. I My push-up regimen every morning needs to be 40 push-ups. And I need to get there at a certain point of time. So if I didn't do the push-ups a whole long time, I'm just going to do every day the 10 push-ups. I know that by next week, I'm going to do the 20. I know that by three weeks' time, I'm going to do the 35. And eventually, I'll get there. But I'm not putting a barrier not to do the push-ups. So just do them if you can do four push-ups, do four push-ups. Set a target. If the target needs to be 20 push-ups, just start, man. And if you fail at three, fail at three. But just do them every day. Then then, then you're off. Don't try and get the 20. And when you're getting up in the morning, you're thinking about, oh, man, I need to do the push-ups. The 20 push-ups, your target needs to be very easy. It needs to be you must be able to do it before you brush your teeth. So you're not sitting there and you don't have use of your arms. The push-ups need to be easy, guys. So set a target and get there eventually. I quickly want to bring up a tangent, like a quick side story. During one of our trainings in, in Tilburg, we had a training where we had to serve a volleyball. And every time <laughs> we missed or served the ball out or in the net, we had to do, I don't remember how many push-ups, but I think three push-ups. And after like 15 minutes, we literally didn't have the power in our body anymore to get the serve across the net. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a fun one. So I also have two over-unders for you. The first one is chess, overrated or underrated? Very, very, very underrated, in my opinion. Quickly, do you consider chess a sport? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Most definitely, I do. You need to train. You need to train if you're getting, if, if you're at a certain level, you need to train eight hours a day. You need to know your opponent. You need to play into the things your opponent is doing. You need to be in shape because if you do not train, 
you're not going to be able to win if you're not informed. I think there's even a physical part of the thing. So, quick story. Oh, it is so humiliating, by the way. For those people who don't think that chess is physical, <laughs> I was very young. I, I, I could play a little bit of chess, so I was pretty young. I think I was about nine years old or something like that, and I played qualification matches for the national championships. And I was doing pretty well, man. I was I was one match away of qualifying as a nine-year-old for the national championships. So I was so proud. But then I had to play against a former champion. Oh, man. I was sweating all over the place. I, I, I actually couldn't function. I literally physically crashed i even threw up after the match it was it was it was very 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 damaging but i don't know if that's physical but yes i do see it as a sport uh, if you yeah you need to do everything that 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 a normal athlete does you need to train it is less physical than weightlifting of course but in my opinion it is considered a, a, a sport and i do not know any type of training that you can do which is better for your mind i played volleyball matches and i did some experience with this not matches i, I did volleyball training when i had breaks so in between points i played a couple of sets a couple of moves i made and i actually reacted much faster after i played the sets so my brain was going much, 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 much faster. I can process things much, much, much faster if I am in good chess shape. So learn the damn thing. Download the app. It'll be worth it. <laughs> so just to clarify, you are playing a volleyball practice match. And in between sets, you are playing chess at the same time or uh, just switching them in between. Was that right? Yeah. So it, it, it won't. It was not a practice match, but it was training. So okay. you get you get you get a couple of a couple of seconds rest. In yeah. in in the rest, instead of taking a drink, I played some some sets. I played a mat, a match on my on my phone on my phone, and I actually could react much faster to what was happening around me when I went back onto the court. So that's a very yeah, interesting mental exercise. To, it's it's an it's, experiment it's so, that you did. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very interesting. So to come to see how important the mind is, and I think that chess is the best mind exercise there is. So definitely underrated. Okay, last one. Paris Saint-Germain, underrated, overrated? Oh. For context, for people listening. Could you, while Dion thinks, could you Okay, so a little it? bit for, for non-sports fans or non-sports listeners and people watching this live stream. Paris Saint-Germain is, of course, the, the biggest team of Paris. And yes, they have been splurging money and have been recruiting like the best players of the world. They bought Mbappé for $100 million years ago. And then they bought Neymar. They also have signed Donnarumma, which was the best goalkeeper of the 
past European Championships. And I'm leaving a lot of players out. But also recently, they signed Lionel Messi. So basically, this is like the dream team of all dream teams. And I don't... Like, if we talk about super teams, I think the last team that I remember from this stature was the Real Madrid team with Ronaldo, Luis Figo, David Beckham, Roberto Carlos. And yeah, basically that's that's the last time I can remember this kind of assembly of, of super superstars. Okay, sorry about this, but I'm going to do one sitting on the fence again. But I'm going to explain. As a sports person, I say very overrated. Very overrated because, yeah, you can't have a team spill, throw a lot of cash at one football team because you own a country and then you don't even win the competition in France, which is seen as a farmer's league. You don't, you don't win the Champions League with all the money that you invested. No, that comes to say that the Champions League is not for sale. But... That makes it overrated for me. It's it's a team in France which is about 20 years old or something like that. And they don't really have, in my opinion, the, the credibility to be the team which they are perceive, presuming to be the big team with the lot of the, the, the superstars. And you, if you can't even win in France, you can't win the Champions League, even though you spent about a billion dollar plus, then you need to be very overrated. The commercial side of things, it's a very, very, very sexy team. They have the three biggest brands in sports. Not even in sports. They have three of the biggest brands, which is. They have a uniform, which is sponsored by Michael Jordan, which is a brand. I think it's pretty clear to say it is a sporting brand but it's also a brand as a person they have Lionel Messi who is one of the if not the best players all time which makes him a big brand the impact that Messi made on the commercial side of things the impact that he made on the social media side of things I think there were about 42 million followers plus when Messi came along and they have the biggest brand maybe in being Paris. So Paris is a big brand. Yeah, it is a big, big, big brand. It is. There is a reason why all these players come to play for this team because they could live the glamorous life in Paris. So they have three of the biggest brands in the world all combined. And that is something people aren't really realizing yet of this of this football team. Sporting-wise, they are not there yet, but they are most definitely underrated as 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 the the brand side of things. I think that makes sense and that's a perfect perfect link to the to the next section and I, I definitely understand the commercial side being underrated and for a very small percentage of people, I'd say 0.01% of people in the world that e even end up in that remotely fortunate position where you can, you know, just get 
paid millions being showing up in a, in a team, being a brand recognized by others and not even having to perform as a sport. So the, 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 the next question comes in. We, we talked about sports in general, the, the business side, the, the nuances in between. But for the people that are not in the 0.01% or this volleyball player in the Netherlands that's just, you know, barely getting by or barely getting paid, what are opportunities that you see or what strategies should people employ that want to do sports or perform in sports professionally to do after their sporting career or adjacent to their sporting career as a commercial or business side? There are a couple of things you can do. First of all, there are all the uh, the things that you get when you're sporting. To start with, the most important thing in my professional experience is uh, this is not really sports related, but it's it is it's something that you learn. It is a skill, and a very important skill, in my opinion, is discipline. And people take that pretty lightly, you know. So. A lot of the times when I'm at work or something and I'm not enjoying myself, I'm not happy about about the things I need to do. It'd be to write emails, to do the boring stuff. I'm not enjoying it. I can always switch to discipline because in sports, especially if you do sports at a certain level, it is by definition not always fun. You need to switch to discipline, to be discipline and that is a very particular skill that when you get that you never lose it so when things are pretty difficult at work i could always switch and just go go through the motions and be disciplined and that's that's something i just learned it is something that it it, it is not so that you're either undisciplined or disciplined it's a skill that you learn and i learned that in in sports in, in particular high level national team sports the other is, things that you can yeah go ahead yeah go ahead is is there a difference between discipline and winner's mentality in that one or do often people mean winner's mentality when they actually mean discipline oh there's a big difference there's a big difference discipline is actually doing the correct things that you need to do that that and that is mostly on a longer or a longer time span a winner's mentality is being better than something or someone else and the the drive that you have to achieve that and that could be at the beginning of something that could be at the end of something and that is most of the time it's it's a certain shorter period thing you know some players they could be crappy the whole match and at the end of the game their winners mentality take over discipline is a lot more over over a broader time span than than a winner's mentality so there is a there is a difference most of the time the winners they know that you need to be disciplined to put up a certain performance so players with a winner's mentality most of the time are very disciplined the most of the players who are yeah yeah it's it i i can't even come up to an example of which player has a real killer's mentality and does not have discipline but they are not the same and of course there yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I I don't want to question 
a follow-up that, and I might go a little bit philosophical, but I think you're the right person to answer that. Would you say that anyone could learn discipline? And could you say that anyone can learn winner's mentality? Yes and no. I'm not... I'm not completely sure you can get better at winning. It is trainable, but I do think that there is a certain, yeah, that, that that's, that's a talent thing. You just have it or you don't, but it is trainable. You can get better at it, but I don't really think that you can. I think that is something that you, which you were born with. Discipline, you can learn. You can get discipline. That 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 that's I wouldn't say easy because if you don't want it, you're you're not gonna learn it. But that is much easier to learn than that winner's mentality. But even the winner's mentality is trainable. But I do think there is a certain amount of talent, that there's a certain amount of something that needs to be going in your belly. And I think you are yeah, I think you're born with it. It's uh, it's it's pretty philosophical. Yeah, it's 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 an it's it's that kind of discussion. Like, is is that discussion because nurture the bit? <laughs> yeah, because there are a lot of people who say that leaders aren't born; they're made. You know, but yeah, you can you can learn it, but much more difficult than 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 discipline. But I think that was not the initial question. What was the initial question? Oh, what can you do after sport? Okay, yeah. So I I I took the 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 presenters route, the journalistic route, that that side of the entertainment. Of course, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of event managing things you can do around the sport. So there is a lot of money going going through this business so there are a couple of things you can do you can of course do events you can do media and you can also do training because there's always uh, there are always people wanting to give you money to get better at a skill so those are in my opinion three of the things that you can do to get better and of course, it's a business. So if you want to enroll in that business, there's a whole industry that you can you can you can get into it. There are a lot of a lot of studies which you can do to get into that business. It's it's a multi-trillion-dollar industry if we're talking football alone. So yeah, there there is there is something you can do. And there is something you can get out of people. If you if you walk between these people, you know the ins and the outs. So that is possible, yes. Okay, so I'm going to come with one last wild assumption based on previously mentioned stuff regarding sport and trying to relate it to business. So in the beginning, we mentioned individual small small team sports you have another dynamic there, another set of skills, more personal responsibility that you get out of it. And in a more larger team sports, there's more coordination, there's more complexity, there's more hierarchy organization. So my assumption here is that the people that do the more individualized sports with more personal responsibility are more prone to go the the 
independent entrepreneurial road and that the, the bigger team, you can see that as an organization, go through the more corporate, bigger company route to to further their career. Would you agree? Have you seen similarities or is my assumption just way off? I don't have the stats. I, I, I haven't read the studies uh, regarding that. But of course, there are. I do think that you could put a manager of a football team, you could put in a company and he would do fine. He would do, he would do pretty fine. But I don't know if you could put a player. I do not think that a player, by definition, has those managing skills because he's working in, in that, that big of an organization. So I, I, don't, I think those worlds are different. You're learning skills and you need to be intelligent and you need to be driven enough to use those skills in the business side of things. But that is an individual thing. Of course, you learn the skills, but how do you translate those skills into the business side of things are, are are you talking about people are you talking about players or do you have other well, things in mind uh, yeah more more the, more from the player the the athletes themselves perspective because as a athlete doing an individual sport or a small team sport mainly comes with the self-discipline and the personal responsibility, whereas in a larger team, there's more teamwork, there's more communication, there's more layers to go through to get to, as a group, get to a certain level of performance, right? As you explained before. So mainly focusing on the players in this regard. So once more, I, I haven't seen the, the, the social studies about these things. I, I presume that they are made, but just by, yeah, my 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 experience and my yeah, my way of thinking, I actually don't really think there's a lot of difference because especially when you get to the higher level of things, team players are most often very individual. For instance, football players, when they give you a pass, most of the time, they're done with you. I need to bring the ball as perfect as I can to my teammate. After that, I need to make the run. I don't really want to know what you're doing. I'm going to look at it. But primarily, I need to do my job perfectly. It is the manager, and that is why they are getting the big bucks. He needs to make those things stick. So there are a lot of individuals. I almost want to say there are a lot of individuals. Yeah, it's very controversial what I'm saying here. But there are a lot of individual players who come together as a team. Of course, they know how to work. Of course, they know how to lead team meetings, which are very, very, very important. They know how to speak in, in, in a group. They know when to say something. They know when to receive feedback and those things you don't have in, in individual sports. So I'm very comfortable in, in the business sense. Now, when we're in, in pretty, pretty serious meetings, I, I do not take things personally. I know how to get feedback. I know how to give feedback. So in that sense, it is a little bit different, but I, I personally don't really think that based on the playing side of things, it makes a lot of difference. And I can't believe I'm saying that. No, but I do. I mean, from group dynamics, I think 
playing team sports really helps in, in group dynamics anywhere else. So I think I completely agree with that. Diego, I'm going to provide with a different perspective as well. When you're an individual sports person, you need to spend a lot more time branding yourself compared to when you're in team sports. So there also could be like a spin-off of those individual athletes who have to brand themselves, leading more to entrepreneurial quests and those kind of things. So it, that could also be. So I think there are a lot of layers and a lot of dimensions to it. So it's kind of hard to say like if your assumption is correct or we can validate it through numbers because like Dion is saying, we don't have the numbers. But there are a lot of variables that could make it that it's very well, it could very well be true to what you're saying. So Dion, quickly for you and for the people that are listening and are watching, what has been the biggest change that you have to make towards the end of your career? Because you're still actually, I can, can I still call you, aside from COVID, I can still call you an active sports player? Yeah, yeah, you could still call me an active sports player. But is, is there anything different at the end of my career? Yeah, of course, I'm. I'm not as explosive anymore. So you need to be a little bit smarter. That's that's actually the only thing that, that makes a difference. And you need to be a little bit smarter. You're you're a lot more respected. So when you say something, it 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 weighs a lot different when you're at the beginning of your career. But you need to be a little bit more smarter with your with what you are doing. And that, that is difficult because you're much more aware of your, your actions. And most of the time in sports, that awareness of what is good and what is not good is most definitely not an advantage. But that is, uh, that is something which you, are, you, need to, you need to work with. You're, you're much more efficient. You're much more... Yeah, you're just you're just smarter, and that's 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 not yeah, that's pretty logical, I think. But of course, no, I'm 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 playing a, a balancing act between between being media and being a player. So that is a, a bit of a, a difficult balancing act, but I enjoy it, man. I love it. That's uh, it's one of the fun things of Suriname. You can do everything at once. <laughs> So to close this off, on that last note, are you being in media now, especially sport media, and as you said, being able to do many things as at once here, what's your favorite or one of your favorite things having that media perspective while also having, you know, the, the, the player background? What's your favorite thing about being a sports media presenter? To tell you the truth, that it, I get some ROE from all the hours that I made as a supporter. I can, I can bring, F, I can choose to bring some experience back in broadcasting. So that is that is something which I am very proud of and very happy with. So I can use my experience that I gained in winning things. I can use my experience in losing things. I can use my experience in training to relate to 
under individual other individuals especially sports individuals i know i didn't play professionally in england but i can relate on how it is to train every day and i know how it is to lose i know how it is to talk to a media person when you lost i know how it is to talk to a media person when you won so those kind of things is i i enjoy a lot it is also i don't know if it is a good thing or a bad thing that i and maybe it is the position that i play i can i also have some awareness is maybe the 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 correct word to use that i know at this point in my career and this as as a media broadcaster that it isn't about me it is about the story and most of the time the story is the athlete or most of the time the story is the team or most of the time the story is a journey so i could i could relate with that and maybe that is because i am a setter at, at volleyball and most of the times it's not about you except if you lose and it's always your fault but if you win the attackers get all the glory and i don't think media is especially broadcasting is is different as a presenter you are a host it's not about you it's about the story and that is something i'm pretty happy that i am aware of that and i can use that to 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 do this job that i love and still if the show loses its host or the team loses its uh setter they immediately feel their loss exactly exactly it, it it's something just like it's just like sound in a movie it's just like a defensive midfielder in football you only notice these things when it when they're bad so when the sound is shitty you're very very aware of it when the sound is great and nobody says anything about the sound when a defensive midfielder is shitty Everybody is looking at him. He, can this guy run across or around the field? But when he's good, nobody says anything. Nobody knows why everything is going into place. And that is a position which I am in. Yes, when uh, when I make a mistake as a as a presenter, everybody is uh, very happy to laugh at it. I'm having the laugh as well, so that's that's not really a big problem. But you notice when when he's pretty shitty, but when he's good everything flows and you almost never even know he is there or you do know but it is it is uh yeah challenging <laughs> awesome anil says a great story to hear from you and how that translated into i guess what you're doing now shan look got any last things for dion or shall we wrap it up here We can we can wrap it up with the usual final question, Dion. If people want to reach out to you, on which platforms can they do that, and how can they reach out to you? Well, they can do it on my Instagram. That is what's oh god damn it, what's here at Dion Brun, and it could also yeah. Yeah, I need to I need to get this mirror image figured out. So you you could do it at uh, Dion Brun on Instagram and on Facebook. Just look Dion Brunings up. It's B R U N I N G S. 
So it's plural. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, look me up on Facebook. Look me up on Instagram. I'll, if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to react and to have the conversation with you. Awesome. You may even find them in Russian interview shows soon. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, with that being said, Dion, we appreciate you sharing the journey and also giving the perspective on, you know, how the sport world is and the challenges within it, but also the opportunities career-wise and, you know, on doing something afterwards, what people can expect or what to do. So I, I think that brings some much needed attention as you said the sound guy the setter they're kind of underappreciated but when it goes <laughs> bad it goes really bad and some of these things need to see the light so people actually know why stuff is bad and i think you have shown some light on some some of these things definitely yeah man so yeah i'm lucky i'm i i don't want to use the word blessed but i'm lucky that i can do something that i love you know i don't think there's going to be people who are working harder than I because I'm not working. I'm just enjoying myself when I'm at work. So I'm pretty happy that I am on this journey and I'm enjoying it, man. I'm enjoying every, every single moment of it. Awesome. Thanks everyone for tuning in, in the comments. Thank you for your comments, uh, your feedback, always appreciate it. And as usual, this episode will be released on Saturdays on the podcasting platforms. And next week, we will be back with Social Convos at 4 p.m. We'll have a different time slot again as we're continuously experimenting with a different time slot to accommodate guests. So we hope to see you again next week at 4 p.m. If you can't make it, you can always rewatch it or re-listen to it. With that being said, Jean-Luc, roll us up. This was Social Convos. See you back here next week. Remember... It's an earlier time than usual. We're experimenting. But this was Social Convos. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.